all of these stresses, this like busyness, everything, that's your choices. These are your decisions. You're opting into so much of this, but you don't need to. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. We have such a great episode today. I know I say that all the time because I wouldn't be creating these if I didn't love them, but oh my gosh, Atticus is here and this conversation was just absolutely beautiful. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to get to hear this. And I also want to say we are definitely in holiday mode and I want you to remember that you get to choose ease. I want you to remember that you can unsubscribe from being in the cycle of being codependent and making it your responsibility, how people react. Like you don't have to overextend yourself. You get to choose not to. You get to choose to make sure that somewhere on the list of things to do and people to buy things for you get to matter. And so this is something I've really been focusing on. And gosh, I mean, for so much of my life, it was just an immediate response. Absolutely. Sure. As opposed to, let me think about that. Or, ah, I would love to do that. This doesn't feel like the right time. Or here's what I can do. And it's amazing how you really create an opportunity for true intimacy when you are authentic. And I think we all, more than we want to please people, we really actually want to experience feeling free and also feeling what love actually feels like. And when people really are available to love you unconditionally, they will be right there even when you are taking care of what feels best to you. So that is my wish for all of us this holiday season and always. I also want to let you know that I have this amazing program. It really is like the best work I'm doing. I've rolled it into Abundant Ever After and it is on early bird pricing right now. And you could start watching it today and the live calls will start during January. But if you want to get in on that now, you can go to kathyheller.com slash join and you could start watching the pre-recorded parts right now and doing some of that coursework, which might give you a totally different and truly incredible way to go through the holidays. But if you've been wondering, what does it actually mean to allow all the blessing to pour into my life? What does it actually mean to manifest, to co-create, to design and pull off of the shelf of everything that's in this universe, what I really desire? This course is everything I've learned, all the spiritual tools from meditation to Kabbalah to all the things that I've been practicing. I've rolled it into this program and it seems to really be setting people free. If you want to check it out, go to kathyheller.com slash join and I will be doing the live part of that in 2023, but you could start watching the other part today. And I think that you guys will love it and you'll get it on early bird pricing. So today's exciting because Atticus, the poet is here. He's a three times New York times, bestselling author, storyteller, traveler, and observer. And what really made him stand apart from the rest of the world is his commitment to stay anonymous, but that hasn't stopped his fans from loving him and his work. In fact, his words have been tattooed by tens of thousands of his devoted followers, and he's written best-selling books like Lover Wild, The Dark Between Stars, The Truth About Magic, and his new book just came out. It's called Love, L-V-O-E, 
poems, epigrams, and aphorisms, and it's his journey inward in search of love, peace, and acceptance. This is such a beautiful exploration of self-love, the human experience, relationships, meditation, meaning, loss, adventure, romance, and so much more. So make sure that you get yourself a copy. If that wasn't enough, Atticus is also an entrepreneur. He has his own coffee business called Poet Coffee, which we're going to get into a little bit. And he also started his own international wine brand, Lost Poet, and he has clothing partnerships with Levi's and Kohl's. He's such an incredible soul. He's so humble and every word that comes out of his mouth is truth. He is so easy to love. And I know that if you weren't already a fan, you're just going to want to be after you hear what he says. Without further ado, please welcome the extraordinary Atticus. Atticus, I'm so happy that you're here. It's really, it's like speaking to the moon or a star or something like that. It's just like an energy of love and wholeness that's like expressing itself. And, you know, we've done almost 700 episodes, but I don't know that we've talked to a soul that is like this degree of humble. So it's really cool how you show up in the world. By the way, that's probably the nicest thing someone's ever said to me is that uh, it's like talking to the moon or the stars. So (laughs) thank you. And it's so nice to be here. And it's so nice to meet you. I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, that's really sweet. Thank you for saying that. And that really is true that those words just came out very easily. Before we get into the new book and before we talk about some of the things that I feel like you've downloaded from the universe, I want to know what your journey was that helped you even come to know that this was your work. Yeah. Well, it's kind of an interesting start in the sense that like, I never set out to be a poet. I never thought I had anything useful or worthwhile to say. But I grew up like loving words and poetry and like, you know, I was obsessed with Jack Kerouac and Bukowski and Plath and, you know, I just read them growing up, but I certainly didn't think I had anything to say. And it was honestly on this trip to France, I I had this chance meeting with an actor, a guy named Michael Madsen. And he's like, if you don't know who that is, it's like the bad guy from Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs and and I think uh, a Justin Bieber music video. (laughs) And Michael was, I just found him to be this really, really profound human. And he taught me a lot about his life and how, in his words, poetry had saved his life. And for me, here was this kind of American movie star badass and telling me that poetry had saved his life. And I, and I found that very interesting. And as a man, I, I felt, you know, this had given me permission to explore a more vulnerable side that's not necessarily encouraged with with young men. And um, and so I was in France a few days or Paris a few days later for the first time. And I found it so beautiful and so inspiring that I just started writing poetry and never expected it to be anything at all. And I started posting it and yeah, never, never expected it to kind of take off. But um, yeah very humbled when people read. It's really cool. And it's like, it's a movie. It's like that whole thing is, is, is a movie that you shot, you know, (laughs) I mean, and that is kind of how it is. Like we're all making these movies of our lives with, with an actual projector in our brain, but you made a really beautiful one. And so then you started to like post these things. Where did that begin? Where did you begin to share this work? Yeah, I was just writing and I'd write on my phone and then I kind of went back, came back to America and and I had an old typewriter and I, I was like, it would feel really cool to kind of type these poems up. And so I started typing them and I was like, wow, you know, Instagram was like literally just starting at that point. And I was like, you know, I wonder about sharing on there. And, and I did it anonymously at first because I didn't want it to kind of blend into anything else I was doing. And so I was like, you know, I'll put a pen name in there and, uh, and I'll just start posting. And then, you know, kind of like just one person shares it with another and shares it with another. And the growth is very surprising and humbling and unexpected, but wonderful. Yeah. So wonderful. I, I remember when Gary Zukoff was here, he said something that I had not heard. And he said, you know, we think that there is a world of cause and effect. And Mm. he said, but I would really argue that it's not so that the intention creates the effect. Oh, I love that. And, and I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's it, you know, because yeah. everything is, is resonance. And so it's like, if you are, you know, singing a certain melody, 
then they hear it a different way. So it's really cool. I, I so believe in that. And I, and I think, you know, that's kind of so intertwined in things like the books, like the secret and, you know, just visualization and yeah, it's the kind of intent is everything. Yeah, exactly. I've never watched the secret, but I studied in Jerusalem for three years learning mysticism. And that was like my beginning of my journey. And so everything to me is about this like law of reception, you know? Um, So let's go deeper into the actual content because that's a pretty cool origin story if I've ever heard one. But what's really even more compelling is what you actually shared. You know, if you would have been in Paris and had this idea, it would be one thing. But it's it's the work, you know, there's something so obvious in what you share that is like it's medicine for people. So where do these spiritually grounded understandings of like the fabric of the universe, like where do those ideas come from through you? Like what was your path to getting those clear answers? Wow. That is a beautiful question in the way you where you worded it. But you know, I think it's I would say it's serendipitous. I think that one thing that's really allowed me to write honestly is the anonymity. I think it separates me from the kind of social account and whatever. I'm and it kind of reminds me to write what I feel and not what I think I should feel or write for other people. And I think that that anonymity wasn't planned necessarily that way, but it has allowed me to just like write honestly what I feel. And I think that's what people maybe connect to is that I think and hope people are feeling the same thing that I'm feeling and and that connects us as human beings. And so I'm just kind of writing about being a human being in as truthful a fashion as I can. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so powerful that I guess I feel like, you know, Ram Dass started out like it just for instance, right? Like, you know, he tried to check all the boxes. He went to Harvard, mm. he got a degree in psychology and then wanted to have this trip that he would never come down from. Mm. And then he, and then he found spirituality. Right. And mm-hmm. then from that place, he got a lot of insight and it seems like at least what we're talking about so far, that these are just like your natural inherent go-to ideas on the world. Was there something that led you to see the world this way? Is there like a a practice, uh, some kind of like a spirituality? Was there a trip to some somewhere? Or was this just like, since you can remember, this was your take on things irrespective of anything like that? It's hard to pinpoint exactly. But what I would say is that I've always, two things. One is that I'm someone who I feel like feels very deeply. And that's been something I've kind of struggled with throughout my life. I think it's a good thing and a bad thing, but it can be kind of a a scary thing growing up is just feeling. And, you know, I think that goes as far and as deep as like going to a party and just like feeling the energy in there. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like a extroverted introvert. I love social things. I love friends. I love things, but I do feel it does take a lot out of me when I'm social for too long. And I think, so that's like one part of it. I think imagination is another side of it. It's like, I've always loved to just be in my imagination. And I think you'll see in my writing that a lot of it's, you know, half of it's kind of life experience. And then half is just imagining just literally being like, what would it feel like to be an old man with an, you know, his old bride wife after 50 years of being together and losing her? And and like, what does that evoke in you? And, you know, just write that feeling down. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time in kind of my imagination of like, wow, what would that feel like? I love doing that. That's really, really beautiful. And I can really relate to the feeling of loving people and feeling exhausted because of being an empath. Yeah, I feel like I'm uh, just very intuitively reading the room all the time and then very much really just want people to feel safe and loved and seen. And so 
Yeah. I'll just, I'll just kind of like make a space all the time. And then I just feel like exhausted afterwards, you know? So I get that. And, and that's a blessing and it's also a challenge. And so I, I understand that. So now like, I want to talk more about the work itself and some of these ideas because they're so beautiful and in a world where there's, you know, there's both, there's always an equal amount of contrast and light. It's just the way it always is. It's like you put something in the sun and there's an equal shadow, but you know, in a world where even though there's both of these things, people tend to see the shadows more. It's just so beautiful that you just have this like fire hose of light. It just keeps coming. It keeps coming. So let's talk about love. Let's talk about this new book and also what's really inside of it. Like, how would you communicate to someone if they, you know, just arrived on the planet and let's say they've never, they don't know what the concept of love is, just like someone who's never had chocolate or seen it or heard about it. What is your experience of love? What's your definition of it? How do you describe what it is and how you know when you have it? Wow. So I would say that my definition of love has changed over the years. It's evolved. And, you know, certainly when I was younger, I thought it was something completely different. And it's taken me a lifetime and will continue to be a lifetime of evolution and change. And for me, love started as it was like, I think a lot of young people, it's kind of like this attraction and obsession and you're feeling all these things for the first time. And so you're like, I I think we probably all have an experience of like young love. And I write a lot about this, like the the idea of young love, because I just remember so vividly those feelings of being like, this is it. This is going to last forever. This is infinite. And this is love. And the power of that feeling is is so so uh, visceral, yeah. and then you know as as you kind of get older, it doesn't go away, but it does change. And like you know, my definition of love now is is more about kind of trust and mutual vulnerability, and this commitment to each other, and and really like building brick by brick love. And you know, I named this this book LVOE because mm-hmm. of this idea that love doesn't need to be perfect. And you look at the cover of my book and it's like, it's LVOE. And most people see it and read love. And I've always appreciated and thought of love in that way. It's like, it's imperfect love and it's our imperfect love. And there's something very, very beautiful about that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's really true. I think so often, just like everything, you know, the ego it kind of tricks you into thinking there's all this separation and lack. And so you need something from outside of you to fill it, you know? Yeah. And that's really like the opposite of love. You know, love is, it's a gift that you give someone and it's like witnessing someone and it's walking beside someone, but not necessarily like, not the way we think like this person now gives you something you didn't have. And now that thing that was outside of you, you now have it, right? That whole dance is what really screws a lot of people up. Yes, that's so true. And you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, for me personally, like my first relationships, I was coming like unfilled. I was entering into these relationships as 50% and expecting them to kind of bring the other 50%. And Mm -hmm. that's just the complete wrong way to go about it. And, you know, in my latest relationship, I really spent a lot of time single to like build myself into a full person. And I think uh, as full as, you know, it's never perfect at all, but, you know, and just not expecting someone to come and kind of fill my uh, gaps, but really try to enter into the relationship as a full and whole person and individual and likewise, you know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, Yesterday, I don't know. Do you know Peter Crone? Have you guys connected? No, I haven't. And he's a really beautiful person. I was talking to him yesterday and he was saying how he had this relationship early in his life, which was such a gift in the end, because when they broke up, she left him. He was so incredibly aware when she broke up with him, how much was inside of him that was then revealed, how much pain, how much brokenness that he was pinning on her. Mm -hmm. And he had a moment 
where he realized that part of this river we're on is the surrender to that things are not in our control and Mm. we don't have certainty and yet we're all connected in this more like infinite, you know, stream. And all of a sudden he felt freedom like coursing through his body because wow. he, didn't, he didn't need her to do anything. And I've had that experience very similar to him, which sent me into like a whole meditation journey years ago. And it's interesting because you do this anonymously. And I think that that's kind of indicative of some of this, right? Where it's like, I want to ask you about that, but you know, we all kind of see, we see more with our eyes closed than open, you know, Mm -hmm. with our eyes open, we see ourselves like these separate egos. And so it's kind of cool that you make this really bold decision to remove the ego part of you and just bring the words because that's so much about what we're saying. And I'm just so curious um, what that experience is like for you, how it still feels to be anonymous, what the benefits you feel are, and if you ever have a part of you that thinks about not doing that. Yeah. Well, Bill Murray's got this incredible line that's like, if you want to become rich and famous, become rich first and then see if you still want to be famous. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good. It's, yeah. And uh, Jim Carrey's got something similar and paraphrasing. He He's basically like, I wish that everybody could have all the money and fame in the world to realize that that's not what life's about. Oh, um, it's so good. It's so yeah. beautiful. Like every word of it, you just, it hits your nervous system in all the right points. You go, yes, yeah. that feels so true. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it, it is. And I think the pursuit of fame in particular is, and can be very, very dangerous because yeah. of like, you know, why are you going into this and you're attaching yourself to this ego and it's like, if you don't get enough likes, if you don't get enough, you know, requests for autographs, suddenly your self-worth is tied to this thing. And it's, Completely. it's a slippery slope. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. And, yeah. and quite honestly, and, and like, I don't always get into this, but when I was first starting out, I was, I was very well surrounded by famous people and just to see the kind of tricky side of that thing. And I actually lost a friend who was from the same small island I was from in Canada and he died in a hotel room in Vancouver. Oh my God. And yeah, you know, it kind of rattled my world and perspective in a big big way. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just never going to go pursue fame in that same way. Like I just, I just not going to do it. And so it became really important to me and it became more of a symbol and it has been a battle to your point and question earlier. It's been a battle because, you know, it, it's like, it would be so much easier to just be not anonymous. You know, it's just easier. I would love to just be on this podcast with you and we can see each other and interact and whatnot, or do it in person or do meet and greets and just talk to people and look them in the eye. Cause I love interacting with people like this and yeah, you know, and then you have kind of like the publisher and the agents being like, can you please take off your mask? You know, it's like people would love to see you. You could go on talk shows and stuff, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, but why though? You know, it's like, to what ends, you know, just sell more books, you know, sell more wine. (laughs) It's such a juicy, really, it's so good. Like, I love this because everything, every single word you just said is right on. And what I would just offer from whatever I've sort of gleaned from anything that feels like truth is that, first of all, it's an illusion anyway. There is nothing separate. It's all frequency. And when people look at anything, a person, a home, a river, they just see a hologram of themselves. So they make whatever meaning out of you that they make. So it's kind of like, that's why someone like the Dalai Lama or Thich Nhat Hanh or some holy Kabbalist or whoever it is, it's like, it's not them anyway. It never is. Like everyone's having a trip. Everyone's having their own thing going on. And then they make whatever meaning out of it that they make, 
which is why none of it's personal. When people are like, I love you. Oh my God. And people are like, oh my God, I can't stand you. It's like, whatever's <laughs> coming up in you that you've assigned to me. Yeah. Now that's all about you. Right. So it's like, it's kind of amazing though, because everything you said is so part of the human ego condition where we will think that if somehow this ego of ours can feel more propped up on something mm-hmm. that some some other part of us that's longing will stop longing but we're we're all longing because you know like my rabbi says we're all someone we're some of the one right and so you're mm-hmm. a 5D experience in a 3D body you're always going to long to return to source so that's never uh, going to stop right but you get to have this like 3D edge experience which is also cool but really it's all bullshit. It's like, it's all a joke, you know, like no one really sees me. They see themselves in me. So if they like me, it's a part of themselves that they are a piece with that they like, right? What else is there? Like that's wow. how, yeah. So it's kind of fascinating, but I agree that the, the addiction is so there. Let's not pretend it's not. And so it's a self-care decision to say, I'm not even going to, Put that on my obstacle course. I'm going to remove it completely, which is what you've done. That's it. I mean, by the way, like want to unpack pack a lot of that because it was very, very profound and just so true. Everything you're saying is just so true. And yeah, I mean, that that's it exactly. It's a self-care decision. It's like, yeah. I think this would be better for me. I think this would be better for my family. I think this, you know. And I think better, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Better for my, you know, friends. And, you know, you mentioned the Dalai Lama. And, and I, I don't know if I told you this. I last month got the pleasure of going to Dharmashala in India and, and having an audience with the Dalai oh, Lama. That's so special. I mean, it was just so profound and, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, I could spend a whole podcast on just mm-hmm. unpacking everything he told sure, me. Sure, sure. But, you know, the reason I mention is because he said a lot of the same things that you're saying. And I think you articulated it in such a powerful way. It's like, you know, this idea that we are, we are all one and that, you know, the idea of the source and, and the idea of love is loving yourself in other people and this kind of whole idea of, that kind of hologram he didn't use that kind of word but he was saying all of these same things and he said it about himself as well which I thought was really powerful exactly what you said about him Mm. I mean it was like one of the most profound experiences of my life but one of the beautiful takeaways is as it relates to self-care and things he's like he's like all of these stresses this like busyness everything that's your choices. These are your decisions. At any point, you can come back to and be a monk kind of thing. Or like, yes, you're opting into so much of this. And he's like, the West so often opts into this, but he's like, you don't need to. And and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, a lot of this stuff is permission based. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That first of all, I mean, that's so incredible that you had that experience and. I've had similar experiences with really holy people. And I, I just know that feeling that like intense feeling of love that you feel yeah. because, because they have so much Wi-Fi. you know, there's like, yeah. they've got like full bars of broadband. Yeah. <laughs> and so you like, yeah. you like sit LT. there, right. Yeah. And you, you like get this like access to more of your own frequency because you're like, yeah. they're like a pong. They become like a Wi-Fi pong for you. And you know, that, that was my experience. I went to Jerusalem for two weeks after college and then stayed for three years because I was like, what in the actual hell wow. is going on inside of me that I've like let go of me. And I'm yeah. not able to ever put that somebody suit back on. I don't want it. I'm done. Yeah. Like I'm free, <laughs> but it's so fascinating and helpful to hear everything you're saying for all of us. And I guess I want to ask you this question because I'm so sensitive and also so in love with light and this oneness. And I, I know enough to know not to be bought in to the garbage. And yet Mm. sometimes when you're on your phone and you see people saying mean things, right? Like there's like this meanness, like really yeah. dark stuff, right? It's hard to see it. You're just like, wow, 
that doesn't feel like love at all, right? Yeah. For, pe- for people who are listening, A, I'm so grateful that there's people like you because we need that balance. Boy, do we need it. But I wonder what you would say to them when it seems like the whole world is starting to go dark and there's more sunset than there is a sunrise. What do you think is really true? How do you go to sleep at night thinking about all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an important question of our time. And and by the way, you know, I I feel the same way, you know, you kind of open a news feed or, or whatever yeah. it is and, oh. and you're like, especially if you're empathic at all right you know you're like oh god this the kind of like suffering of it all what's that saying I'll, I'll probably butcher it but it's kind of like in great tragedy look for the helpers it's like look for the people doing good and there's always light and i think that's why i've, I've so enjoyed and you know particularly with lvoe of why it's even it's lighter than the rest of my books and i think that reflects where i am in the in life but also I just want to be a positive voice in the world. I want to talk about good things and there's lots of goodness that's happening too. And I think probably throughout history, people have felt this kind of unease, you know, I don't think it's probably not new. And no, it's not new. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just this balance of good and evil kind of. And I mean, I've done a lot of, tried to do a lot of work and it's just like such a lifelong journey, but it's like, somebody has always told me just like always go towards the light you know you just always go towards the light and one day you'll be able to find the way and so that another host of things is how I how I stay sane I think surrounding yourself with the right people is so powerful and and not opting into some of those all of those narratives you know like I try not to follow the Kanye trials. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like it depresses me. And so I kind of don't yeah. opt into it. And I think it's important that we fight for what we believe in, but choose yeah. your battles. You can't you can't win them all. And yeah. you can't fight for everything. And that's just kind of how I do. But you know, I'd be interested to hear from you of kind of like how you deal with it. What are your tools to kind of live the happier life well, existence? Well, I have this like crazy thought. A few months ago, I was just feeling so sad about something that I had just seen on my social feed. I don't even know which one it was. There's always a circus of those things. And I was standing outside and I just was crying from this very pure, like, oh, the pain. Like, I wish I could hold enough love toward it to just melt it. You know, like that's really all I want to do. And then I had this thought, which is this, which is that. I ran to my computer and I started Googling, how long is a day on Jupiter? How long is a day on Mars? And I saw that on Jupiter, a day was nine hours and 58 minutes. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. And then I wrote into Google and said, how long does it take for an hour to pass in space, like outside of the solar system? And it said 26 seconds. And then I had this click which was this, that Einstein knew a few things. And Mm -hmm. he said that time was actually made up. It's relative, right? Because we're experiencing a day is 24 hours because of the relativity of the sun. But when you go to Jupiter, a day is actually shorter. And then when you go outside of this solar system, which is just a dot in the universe, time evaporates completely right? It goes an hour, goes from an hour to 26 seconds. And then if you keep going into the universe, it's zero. It's nothing. It just doesn't even exist. Isn't that crazy? So so here's my thought. You ready? Yes. So Then I had this thought, which I had never had before. And it's so good. (laughs) And the thought was, so from God's perspective, this infinite source, this divine intelligence, the entire show, all of history is one present moment. Wow. So so then I got that, that that's actually the real, real, like that's legit how it is. When you zoom out, this is all one present moment. So then I saw as if I was like in some kind of like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, I have this vision of all of time, right? All of the civilizations and everything. I just, I saw it all squish into one piece of sand. And then I thought, oh my gosh, 
So there's always been, there's always been equal parts of the blue colors, the the reds, the greens, the purples, like it's all beautiful. It's all, it's always, it's like, it's not like, oh, there's something now that's painful. And then there was this thing 500 years ago. There's no such thing. It's always mm-hmm. like one present moment. And in the one present moment, it's just static sometimes, right? There's just some mm-hmm. static. It's like without the Joker, Batman doesn't get to be Batman. And so yeah. all of the darkness serves this oneness, right? Because if there wasn't 12 hours of darkness and 12 hours of daylight, we wouldn't call daylight daylight. We just call it nothing. It's only daylight because you know what nighttime feels like. So nighttime oh, is like a blessing, you know? So when I have my like strength in me, that is really what I feel all the time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I will say is that using the Dalai Lama as a perfect example, our happiness is not outside of us. I mean, this man mm-hmm. is in exile and he yeah. is not a sad, lonely, depressed person, which yeah. means he's not equating that until something changes, he can't be happy. He writes the book on happiness, literally. <laughs> literally, yeah. So, so it's like, to think that your power is outside of you and a tweet or a whatever is going to knock you out of balance. That's the problem. Like that is mm. the problem. Like wow. everybody, ha- yeah. if you want to, right. If you want to make peace in the world, like offer an energy of peace, you got to go find it. And that is the thing. And if you really look at what every scary darkness ever says out loud it's pointing the finger at something else that keeps it from having light and it's impossible that is not how it works so that's why it feels so bad wow wow Uh, you should write a book well i'm in the process actually (laughs) of writing this book so thank you i mean i want to unpack a lot of that by the way the kind of like expanding 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 and to like all of time is just one moment and the relativity. What a beautiful thought that is. And probably the truth of it all, honestly, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. And uh, I love I love what you said. All the darkness serves the light. I mean, that could be a poem, you know, in, it, in itself. That is so powerful. You know, it's like, we need the Joker to have the Batman. We need the dark to serve the light. We need the bad to serve the good. Exactly. And, yeah. And it's like this idea of back to to what you said and the Dalai Lama is it's like oneness. It's just, it's yeah. complete. It is the universe, the speck of sand that you mentioned. It's yeah. everything. I, and I, I'm so grateful that someone like you has such an audience because it really shows that if you don't condescend people, people actually respond to truth. They get mm. it. You yeah. know, if you're willing to meet people on a soul level and not just sell them Doritos, like they actually are available to hear it. And I think the more people who are, you know, courageous enough to do this and to come from this place, maybe we'll start to focus our attention more on it because it really is, it's mind boggling that the courage and the grace of someone like the Dalai Lama doesn't get the airtime that Kanye gets. Like that's what's crazy. Like the fact that they still don't get that that is not serving the general populace of the world through their <laughs> nervous systems. And that maybe it's so much more compelling to be like, how does this man live in exile and be so beautiful? It's like, that is juicy. Like, let's talk about that. Right. And yeah. yet, and yet maybe, you know, the fact that you have over a million gajillion followers is a sign that we are in awakening consciousness mode, you know, because that's cool. Like, think about it. In 1920, 30, 40, 50, like 80 millions of people weren't following an account like yours. And so we need to remember that. That's really cool. So as we are kind of wrapping up the conversation, tell us about this book and what is one of the main things that you hope that somebody will take away from reading it? Thank you, by the way, for saying that. It's just like such a beautiful way to put it. So if I could hope that someone picks up this book or finds it at a friend's house or, you know, whatever it is, is I think this book of all books, I hope they open it and they just feel a little bit better than they did before. So in the same way that, you know, you read a tweet 
like you mentioned or Kanye or whatever. And you're just like, ah, you know, I just feel a little bit <laughs> yeah, a little worse. <laughs> yeah, just like a little bit worse. And you can't put your finger on it. You're just like, ah, kind of your hope for the world goes down a little bit. I hope that you read something in it and it goes just like a little bit more. And every time you read something, it just goes a little bit more. And I put a lot of my love into this and I hope that that kind of love goes out in, into the universe. Honestly, I really do. It's working really well. And if my audience doesn't already love you to pieces, which they do, uh, this, I think next question will set you up for them to just be completely obsessed with you. One of the things that you do with your platform, which is so healing, so healing is how you help women, especially learn to love themselves. You literally spend time, your own time, making it clear that girls should love themselves and not pick themselves apart for their body images, you know, issues and surrender all that stuff. How has that become even one, one ounce of what it is that you want to talk about? Why was that important for you to even address? You know what it is? And thank you again for, for saying that. It's, I don't feel like I deserve that at all, but thank you. I would put it all on my sisters. I have three sisters and just being able to see their journey through their eyes, just like going through breakups and kind of like how scary it can be to be a woman in the world has been such a growth for me over my life, you know? And I think a big part of it was just like this journey that I've been on of just like healing and just trying to become a better person in the world. But it's like, ultimately I just watched their journey and it was, it just seemed so scary to be a woman. And I just felt, and I draw on that a lot. You know, I think that's why there's so many poems on there. It's like, you know, I see these breakups or these see these like friends that are just not good friends to them, or I see everything. It's just seeing the world through their eyes. And I think it's been such a kind of a a beautiful thing for me. That's really so unique (laughs) and so beautiful. I think it was Nelson Mandela who said, like, if you want a society to really flourish, take care of the women Mm. and kind of makes sense because women kind of innately are relationship oriented. So it's like, yeah, if they are feeling cherished, then they'll kind of make sure everyone else feels like they get what they need. And it's just very rare. And uh, my husband has sisters and his dad had passed when he was a kid. So he was very close with his widowed mom. And I feel like that was one of the main reasons I subconsciously chose him because he was so, so compassionate. And I don't think anyone has said that on this show before, and I appreciate it very much. So thank you for that. And then the last thing I want to ask you, because I just, I just love it so much is I'm obsessed with coffee. Like (laughs) literally I was telling my nutritionist, like, what what do you eat in the morning? What do you, and I was like, I don't really eat so much as I drink. And she's like, what do you drink? And I was like, five cups of coffee a day. And she's like, why? I go, I don't even need the, I don't even need caffeine. I, I drink decaf for the four cups. Just the one I said, I'm just obsessed with the flavor of coffee. So then, then I found out that you made your own coffee. I was like coffee and love and poetry all combined. Like I'm obsessed. So tell me, tell me why on earth you started a coffee business and tell us like, why your coffee is different and special and how people can get it. <laughs> um, by the way, I love you for saying that. And I feel like we're kind of the same person <laughs> in know. some ways. So so, like, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm the same way. I, and the reason that I wanted to start coffee is because writing these books, all of them, I would go to Paris and I would rent like a tiny little apartment and just like was a writer. And I'd go down every day and get a coffee and, and be inspired and write in a different cafe and just write these books. And I found the coffee in Europe was just so superior to anything I was finding in America. And I just couldn't find that, you know, the right, I'm sure you found this, but like the right cup of coffee can make you like energetic, creative, sure. like make hopeful. 
Yeah. And the wrong cup of coffee can make you feel like down, terrible, like kind of weird, a bit of a headache. Yes. And there's so much to it. And I was like, why can't people, why don't more people talk about this? Just like the right coffee, the wrong coffee and whatnot. And so I went on this big, long adventure to find the creator's coffee, to build the creator's coffee and give other people that same like coffee that I had every day in France, in Paris to other people so they could create. And mostly because I wanted the right cup of coffee every time I was writing every morning. And so, so that's why I came out with, it's called Poet Coffee. And it is like, for all intents and purposes, the creator's coffee. And it's really cool. It's zero emission. It's all women sourced, women grown farms all the way along, like, you know, to our point of support the women and the, the communities yeah. flourish. All of these are women owned farms, which I think is is so cool. And, and I'm probably why the beans are so good and it's all electric. And, but yeah, I, I'm so glad you liked it. And by the way, I'll send you as much as you can no, drink. You're so you're sweet. Well, I, I have a, a follow-up, which is, first of all, that is so cool. I didn't know the part about women being so central to it, which is so cool. And I'm sure so many of our listeners are now going to like, be like, where's the link. So we'll put the links <laughs> in the show notes. But my follow-up question is, how do you best like it? Do you do like a French press? Like what's your favorite version of drinking your particular coffee? So that is a great question. And I love a French press, but I do cold brew these days. And the reason I do cold brew is because I find it less acidic and it's really easy to do. You just kind of grind it up and put it in a jar or like a cold brew holder and you set it overnight. And that's like enough coffee you know, depending on how big your thing is for the week. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 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 So I do that. I mean, you know, if you like it hot, you can then heat it up. It doesn't need to be cold. It's just, there is a purity to not actually roasting it or not, you know, kind of boiling it. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. That's cool. I'm excited to hear that because I only have, if I have coffee like yours, where like you buy it, you know, ground, I've never done anything but the French press. I never made my own cold brew is what I'm trying to say. I didn't really actually until now know how to make it. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited to try it and to try it that way. And uh, oh my gosh, I just love every single ounce of who you are and what you say and how loving you are. I'm so glad that we connected. So tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can get the new book. And obviously we're going to put links in the show notes, but I just want you to have a place where you can send them. Oh, well, you're, you're wonderful. I'm just Atticus Poetry on Instagram. The Poet Coffee is poetcoffee.com and the books LVOE, but you can find them all on Amazon. Yeah, but you're the best. I mean, I've so enjoyed talking to you. I feel like we're uh, kind of kindred spirits and you're so same. articulate. And uh, uh, thanks. <laughs> I think, yeah, I just, everything you said, I was just, that's so much curiosity around. So thank you very much for having I, me. It's so I, nice. Yeah. I love you and it's such a pleasure and you're so humble and generous and it's just such a gift. And I'm so happy our paths crossed and I'm going to say hi. And who knows at some point we might wind up in the same city or on the same panel or who the hell knows, but you're just, just going to say, let's be friends. Yeah. You're <laughs> such a gem, such a gem. Oh. And we need you. Uh, you know, I was going to say more than ever, but based on the conversation we have, maybe we just need you forever. Right. It's always been, it's like past, present, future. We all need it. And so thank you for playing these notes. They're really healing. Just so healing this music. Oh, well, the feeling is entirely mutual. And thank you so much for having me. I really just enjoyed it. I could have, I could have probably talked for, to you for three hours. Me too. <laughs> me too. All we'll, right, do another, well, we'll do another one. Okay. You're the best. Well, talking to Atticus is like breathing the most beautiful oxygen. He's incredible. Here are the takeaways. Number one, write what you really feel, not what you think you should. Number two, love doesn't need to be perfect. It's imperfect love. Number three, we see more with our eyes closed than open. Number four, we are all one. Love is loving yourself in other people. Number five, all of the stresses, the busyness, that's your choice. You don't have to opt into it. Number six, look for the people doing good. Always go towards the light. And one day you're going to be able to find the way. Number seven, the entire show, all of history is one present moment. All of the darkness serves this oneness, the light. And number eight, happiness is not outside of you. It comes from within. Thank you so much for listening. It's never lost on me how you support me and how you're here. It means the world. 
We have so many great episodes coming up, so please follow along on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you go ahead and leave us a review, I am going to be doing a giveaway. We will be soon celebrating six years of doing this podcast, and we will be looking for those of you who've left reviews and putting you into a huge raffle. So that is coming up very soon. So go ahead and leave us a review and a rating. And if you go ahead and screenshot your review and DM it to me on Instagram, we will send you a coupon so you can go get your own Starbucks drink on me. If you can think of someone who would love this podcast episode, go ahead and click the three little dots if you're on your phone and email them the link or text them the link or post about it on your Instagram and you can tag me at kathy.heller and you can tag Atticus at Atticus Poetry. That would be so very kind of you. And I just want to say I love you very much. And if you want to dive into manifesting and creating what really is possible for you, you can go to kathyheller.com slash join. You can get early bird pricing on Abundant Ever After, which is available for you to start watching today. And the live part of it will begin in 2023, but you will already be in there ahead of the game and you will be getting early bird pricing, which is on discount. I love you so much and I'll talk to you very soon. 